Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. This spring, we're talking post-freedom, how to make disciples. We spent the fall, how to be disciples. Spring, how to make disciples. I hope you have a stirring in you at least to go and make disciples, to share Jesus with some people. If you don't, that's okay. Ask that God would stir your heart. Ask him to give you a hunger to make disciples, and he will, and you will respond. So we take our cue from making disciples from Matthew 28, 19 through 20, maybe 18 through 20. First, we taught on the last couple weeks, the Great Commission, the last thing Jesus said before leaving this planet we should perk up our ears and our hearts to what these words say. Jesus came and told his disciples, who is not limited to just them, it's us. You ever confessed your faith in Jesus? You're a disciple from that moment. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always even to the end of the age, if we're supposed to change the world, if we're supposed to live out the 29th chapter of Acts, our chapter of Acts, then we have been given everything we need to make that happen. We've been given everything we need to change the world, our culture, our schools, our homes. We've been given all authority. We've been given permission and uh, providence to go into all places. And we've been charged to teach, which means we need to know all the commands. So we're continuing in our series today, The Lies We Believe. We need to be experts in this book, in who Jesus was, in how he works, and how we're supposed to work for him and be loved by him. And so we need to be experts at that. We also need to be experts at telling the difference between fact and fiction, because we live in a world full of fiction that celebrates fiction, and sometimes in such a way as to laud itself as truth. This world, our culture, picks up untruth and says, look at this, look at this, look at this, until we're like, oh, well, that's true. It's been up there so long. It must be true. We need to be experts at telling the difference between fact and fiction. I had a message written for this morning, and I put it in my back pocket. We'll do that message another day. On Monday, I already got a message written early in the week, and I'm like, yes, no worries. On Monday morning, I open the Bible for my quiet time, and God leads me to a passage, and it's just like, boom, just blew up in me, and I'm like, I'm supposed to talk about this instead. One little piece of Amos chapter 2, minor prophet in the Old Testament, is all we're really going to look at today. Amos chapter 2 verse 4 says this, this is what the Lord said. My people have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They have rejected the instructions of the Lord, refusing to obey his decrees, and they have been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. That's it. That was my quiet time, and I opened to that knowing I'm in the middle of a series called The Lies We Believe, and here's this one-liner at the end that says, They have been led astray by the same lies. They believed the same lies that deceived their ancestors. And I'm like, I need to read about this. I need to dig into this. Um, There's so much in here, you guys. There's 
God's patience is in here. Show me my verse and keep it up there for a minute. They had sinned again and again. It wasn't they sinned and God was like, boom, get it together, fool. They sinned again and again and again. God's patient. He's not just looking to pounce on you the first mistake you make. They sinned again and again. But then he said, I will not let them go unpunished. I will not let them continue down this path where they're going to ultimately get hurt and or die and or live a life without me, go to hell. I will not let them go that way, which is a way that's astray, off course, off target. I will not let them go unpunished because God loves you enough to call you out when you're going the wrong way. He loves you enough to correct you as a good parent always should. A good parent should correct you. If they see you doing wrong and they say nothing, they're doing you a disservice. You should call your parents out when you do something wrong and they don't punish you. Huh? How's that sound? You should. My predecessor, Jason Shepard, running Church Project, he grew up outside of his parents' house. He grew up with his grandparents. They didn't know how to parent a teenager in their age, and so they, what do they do? They didn't parent him. And he was the envy of all of his friends because he had no curfew. He had no rules. He could do whatever he wanted, and he hated it. Because on Saturday night at 1 in the morning, he was alone, and he was in trouble, and he was wishing he had somebody that cared enough about him, that knew his heart well enough to know, I want someone to care about me. I want someone to show me the right way to go. That's in you too. And God loves you enough to do that. My son, when he gets upset, he's very emotional. He's my little drama king, right? And if you upset him, he will punch you square in the face if he can reach you. And am I being a good parent if I'm just like, ha ha, hit him again? No, because what happens when he gets older thinking it's okay to just punch people in the face when he doesn't like them? He'll punch people for walking by the wrong way. I don't know how to walk around you. I can't let him grow up like that because he's going to hit the wrong kid one of these days or he's going to hit the wrong adult and he's going to get beat up or he's going to go to jail. A good parent corrects their kid when they're off course. And God loves us enough to do that. So if he sees you going the wrong way, if you know you're going the wrong way and you suffer some consequences, that's God loving you in the right direction. So, how did they go astray? They have rejected the instruction of the Lord. Have you ever looked at this book on your shelf or wherever you keep it? Have you ever seen a verse that you're like felt drawn to and you just, I'll read that later. I'll, maybe I'll wipe the dust off the cover but I'm not gonna open it. When we do that, we're rejecting the instruction. We're just as guilty as these people. Refusing to obey his decrees. Do you know what God has to say about some areas of your life where you know you're going in the wrong direction? These people did it too. And it's interesting, he said, these people have been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. So here's a minor Old Testament prophet saying, you're doing wrong, and so did the people before you. So it stands to reason that the people that would come after us might be guilty, might be susceptible to the same thing. You guys, we are just as guilty, just as prone to believing lies as these people and those people and really all people. What were some of the lies that these people were believing back in the day? The same ones that we believe today. God's law says, do not worship idols. Do not worship 
your phone. Do not worship social media. Do not worship a celebrity or a famous basketball player because they're human. They're things that humans made. They will let you down. They cannot save you like I can. So don't worship those things. What does the world's law say? You worship whatever you want. If it makes you feel good, you do it. Just do whatever you want. No harm can happen. Just do whatever you want. That's reckless. That's careless. That's not a good parent's advice. God's law says this. Worship only God. The world's law says you worship any God you want. If your God is your diet, you worship it. If your God is good grades, you worship those good grades until you get an F from a professor that just hates you and your world is wrecked. Your grades shouldn't define you. God's law says don't take God's name in vain. And the world's law says, oh, you know what? Don't even speak God's name. Don't say God's name at school. Don't say God's name on the field. There's people saying the name of Jesus in Syria right now, and they're getting their heads lopped off. They're being murdered for their faith in Jesus. The world says don't even say God's name. God says don't take my name in vain. Only call on my name. How can we do that if the world is saying don't say it? God's law says put others first. Care more about the people around you. Love them the way you take care of yourself. But the world's law says you put yourself first. You're the most important person. Life, liberty, the pursuit of your personal happiness, that's the most important thing. There's nothing wrong with it, you guys, but it ain't the most important thing. Who's the king of heaven? Anybody know his name? Who's the king of heaven? Jesus is. Who you were here last service, so you can't answer. Who's the king of the earth? Satan. Satan is the king of this world. Did you know that? Satan is running the show down here. Satan is pulling the strings down here. When Jesus left, when Satan was cast down, all right, Satan, you want the world so much that you deceived Adam and Eve in the garden? Well, you can have the world, but I'm still going to save those people, and I'm still bringing them back into perfection with me, but you are cursed, you are damned, you are staying. But hey, you know what? Have your way while you're down there. Satan is the God of this world. We see that in all throughout Scripture. We see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of all those who don't believe. And so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Satan is in charge of the earth. But that doesn't mean he's greater than Jesus. In fact, he's not even comparable. They're not even on the same playing field. We still have the greater God, and he still does more awesome stuff on this earth than Satan can even shake a stick at. But Satan runs the show down here. And when we pay more attention to what the world says than what God says, what we're really doing is paying more attention to what Satan is saying and what he's telling us is important than what God is saying. And we're just as guilty, just as prone to hurting ourselves as those people in Amos. And we may not know it, but we hurt ourselves all the time. I got a bunch of fun pictures to scroll through for part of our message, and we're gonna start that right now. We're gonna play a little game, right? We're gonna see how much we know about the world. Give me my first picture of Maddie. Who's that? It's the Martian, right? That's Matt Damon, right? You guys know that movie? Everybody knows that movie. Don't die. Get that girl a glass of water. That's Matt Damon. What's some other movies he's been in? Born, right? And then Born. And he was in Born. And he's come in another movie with Born. He's been in all kinds of movies. He's like one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. What's happening next Sunday with Matt? 
Where's he going to go with his nice tux, his penguin outfit? He's going to the Oscars. He's up for an Academy Award. Good luck. Who's this next guy? That's right. It's Leo. What movie is that? The Revenant. Right? What are some other movies that Leo's been in? They're everywhere, right? That guy's been acting longer than you've been alive. He's been in all kinds of films. He was made, and his career launched with the Titanic. And there was so much room on that piece of wood. He could have lived. All right, next picture. Who's that? Jennifer Lawrence. What movie is she in? All the Hunger Games. Look at her. Chill out, Jennifer. It's not that big a deal. Who's the next one? Who's that? What's up, SpongeBob? In your freaky pants? All right. Go away, SpongeBob. I got another trivia question for you. Raise your hand if you can name all 12 of the apostles. One person. Maybe two. Maybe two. I, maybe. Don't call on me, but maybe. I'm just, just like my hand. You guys, I can't. I can't name all 12. I know I've read them, but I don't know. It doesn't make or break my faith, but it's kind of important, right? Jesus handpicked 12 people to share the gospel with who would then share the gospel, and we heard it because of them, and we don't even know their names, but we know the guy that didn't really go to Mars and care about that. Who wrote Genesis? Raise your hand if you know. First book of the Bible. I'm seeing like 15 hands, maybe. Who wrote it? Moses. Who wrote 1 Timothy? Raise your hand if you know. Paul. Trick question. Good job, Bradley. All right. Raise your hand if you could tell me the gospel in 10 words or less. No, not the books. Like, what is the good news? Can you tell me in 10 words or less? We should all be able to. But I put up a picture of a make-believe piece of cheese, and we freak out. We, whatever, I don't care if he's a sponge. There's probably cheese in him because he's a sponge. You guys, we're paying attention to the wrong stuff. We know too much about stuff that means squat. Let's switch genres. Show me, the name, show me my, my, my lyrics for my first song. What's that song? Do you want to come up and... No, sit! <laughs> Whose song is that? Why is there no E at the end of weekend? It's freaking me out! Okay. Who can tell me what that song is about? Drugs. Getting so high, you can't feel your face. That's not natural. Bad things happen. I can't feel my face. Punch me. I've seen that happen. I can't believe it. I have seen that happen. All right. Next song. What's this song? Uptown Funk. Everybody knows that song. Even if you don't know that song, if I played it right now, you'd just be like, doo -doo 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 -doo. you know that song. Who wrote that song? That's absolutely right. Has that song been played anywhere on a large format recently? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. 
How many people watched the Super Bowl this year? Anybody know? What do you got? No, 40 million people watched the Super Bowl this year. On a spiritual scale, good versus evil, Jesus is Savior, how much does the Super Bowl matter? That much. Even Peyton Manning, when interviewed, hey man, do you, you, you're a Christian, says he's a Christian, I'm going to assume he is, says he doesn't pray for Jesus to bless him to win when he plays. Because he said, as a Christian, as one of the most effective, famous quarterbacks in the history of the world, right? I don't think God really cares who wins football games. This is a man that plays football for a living. That's a wise statement, right? God cares about us, but he doesn't care who wins the football game. I don't think he does. Peyton Manning doesn't. We'll run with Peyton. What is Uptown Funk about? It's about being sexy and rich and popular. Real important things. What is this song? Come on, you know this one. What'd you say? How do you know that? You're awesome. Give it up for Daniel. I didn't even know that. That is Psalm 1, verse 1. The Psalms, the book, the poems, the songs that God himself wrote for you to teach you how to pray, how to have a relationship. And only Daniel's going to heaven, right? No. That's not how it works. But it is, you guys, I am guilty of this as much as anyone in the room. It is sad. It is heartbreaking that we don't know that. It doesn't define your faith. But it makes a difference. It makes a difference. We should know. We should be hungry to know that. We know the lyrics frontwards and backwards and who wrote the song about things like how to get high and how to have sex and how to score and how to steal. And we don't know Psalm 1-1, which shows us how to be holy, how to have a right relationship with God, what he's looking for in a follower. That's that's sad. I don't say that at you. I say it to me. That's sad, Justin. All right. Here's one of the biggest lies. We're going to camp on this for a few minutes. This is one of the biggest lies that I think that we believe as a nation. This is my opinion. You don't have to agree with it, but I believe this. One of the biggest lies we believe as a nation is this. Being famous is more important than being faithful. Do you believe that we live in a culture that says it is more important to be famous than faithful? Even here in Texas, in the Bible Belt, one of the most Christian states in the land, do you believe that we say as a culture it's more important to be famous than faithful? I, I believe we do. I think you, I see a lot of nodding heads out there. But you know that's a lie. It is absolutely a lie. Did fame ever usher anyone into the gates of heaven? Did fame ever cause someone to lead someone to Jesus? You guys, fame will not save your soul. Fame will not lead you anywhere, but typically to more hurt. I mean, the suicide rate among famous people, scary. But faith, it's impossible to even please God without faith. We need faith. 
not just to be alive, not just to have a good life, but to go to heaven, to enter the presence of God, to have prayers answered. We need faith. That's what matters. The devil, who's running the show down here, who's pulling the strings, is a master manipulator. He's a liar and the father of lies. He was the first liar. You think he's changed? No, he's still lying today. He's a master of misdirection. And he is always saying, look at this. Oh, look at this. This is so important. Distracting us from this, what's really important. We don't really have time for it. Oh, did my screen go away? Is that why it's quiet? Well, poop on you, screen. It's actually your fault, projector. All right. I don't need it. I don't need it. Who agrees? I don't need a projector. Thank you. Come on. Feed me. All right. You guys, I had a clip, but I, I was about to skip it anyway, so I'm glad the projector's out. Here was my clip, right? Now you see me, magician movie, coming out with part two. I'm excited to see it. I don't think there's anything evil or wrong or rotten at the core about a good, fun, entertaining movie. But they shouldn't define us, right? It shouldn't be the most important part of your day is going to see a movie. Even Star Wars, Dwight. You guys, there's this opening scene where one of the magicians is doing some stuff. And I'm just going to share a couple one-liners. But here's a magician, an illusionist a master of misdirection, and here's what he has to say of himself. Beautiful one-liner. What you choose to give your attention to is like a gift. And in order for a magician, an illusionist, to be effective, you need to choose to give him your attention. If you're choosing to give your attention to what the enemy says in the news, in the media, in the silence of your thoughts, you're a loser. You're fat. You're ugly. You don't matter. Nobody cares about you. If you choose to give your attention to that, you are missing the bigger picture. You are holy. You're priests and priestesses. You are warriors for God. You are saved. You're citizens of heaven. What you choose to give your attention to is so important. And you guys, we choose to give our attention to a lot of crud. I'm guilty of that. There was another one-liner in there, though, too. The closer you look at something the less you see. Here's my boy Yetkin. What's up, Yetkin? Here's Yetkin, right? But if I really want to get a good look at Yetkin and I just get down in there, well, I can't even see Yetkin anymore. It's kind of because I'm 40 and I don't wear my glasses, but like I'm missing it now because I'm just too close. I can't get the full perception, perspective, appreciation for Yetkin because I'm looking at it way too close. Like I need to just back up a little bit, right? If you get all hung up on one commandment or one sin, you can miss the bigger picture that like God sent his son to die for sin and set you free, etc. We can get too zeroed in. We can get too distracted by looking at the details. So the devil wants us to believe that fame is more important than faith, that selfishness is more important than selflessness. If he is running, at least our culture, in that fashion, he would have to have a whole system in place a whole elaborate scheme in order to get us paying attention too close to this crud while missing Christ, right? Like he'd need that. So this is where we show some pictures. I don't need them. I got a mouth. So here's how the devil works. He says, pay attention to this. Cue photo 
of magazine covers. Brad and Angelina's new diet works, right? Ben and Jennifer, on again, off again. Bieber, in trouble yet again, right? So here's our movie stars, our famous people that are already up on this monster pedestal, bearing the weight of adulation from so many people that it kills them, literally. And it's not enough that we're going to watch their movies or listen to their music. We want to know what they eat. We want to know what they wear. We want to know where they go. We want to know how much they care about this, that, or the other. I don't need a movie star telling me how to vote, but we care. Oh, George Clooney says a Democrat. I like George Clooney, so I'm going to like Democrat. You don't even know what he stands for. We are looking way too close at these famous people, so much so that they're like, please, for the love of God, leave me alone. Because the enemy's like, if I get him paying attention to this and thinking it's important, then I can do all this other stuff over here. Because he's not only a liar, he's a thief. And while you're paying attention to that, he's in your back door robbing you blind for stuff way more important than the paper in your pocket. He's robbing you of opportunities to share Christ, to lead people to faith, to go on the next great adventure of your faith. Picture, Super Bowl halftime show, Beyonce, Coldplay dude, Bruno Mars, doing their thing. So much news leading up. The Super Bowl, people were like, well, it's probably going to whatever, it's not that big a deal. But they were freaking out about the halftime show leading up to and during and after. Halftime show made or, made or broke the Super Bowl. It was such a big deal. Does the halftime show matter? Who Ran the halftime show of last year's Super Bowl. Does anybody remember? Katy Perry? Yeah, with that freaky, like, oh, that was bizarre. What about the year before that? Or the year before that? Or the year before that? Who won the Super Bowl five years ago? Who won the, super, who won the first Super Bowl? Yeah, sinners. No. That's great that you know that, but who cares? Who won the Super Bowl? Who cares how LSU football is doing this year? You guys, we're looking at the halftime show thinking it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to anyone alive. Oh, I guess they're singing so well. It's all pre-recorded. And meanwhile, did you know that the Super Bowl is the largest avenue, it's one of the greatest occurrences of sex trafficking crimes on any day of the year? When the Super Bowl comes to Houston or San Francisco, pimps, human traffickers, and their chattel, their property, people are brought to those cities and sold to others. Now that's something we should pay attention to. That's something we should care about. But we're too busy thinking, Beyonce's hair was just awesome, right? Bruno can sing even though he's tiny like a Smurf. That's what we care about. We're looking at the wrong thing. The Oscars, right? Who cares? The awards are bought and paid for anyway. And talk about the definition of idolatry, right? It's a statue. They're so concerned about who gets it. And we care and feed that machine. And those people use it like as an ornament in their bathroom. It doesn't matter who wins the Oscars or what they wore all right, my last one was a, a Fox News anchor. And, you know, Fox News, CNN, I don't care about any of that stuff. It doesn't matter that it was Fox. But this lady, anchor, regular, has like an hour segment, is still on the air. 
Here was her one-liner, which she said and freaked everybody out, and then she went on to say it again and again and again. Here's her one-liner. We need to kill them before they kill us. Oh. We need to kill them before they kill us. What kind of attitude, philosophy, religion is that? We need to kill them before they... We need to be afraid of everyone and anyone that doesn't look like us. And if they don't look like us enough, we need to kill them. We need to wipe them out. And she's talking, I don't know if she's talking about um, Black Lives Matter or ISIS or, you know, hillbillies that take over a sanctuary in Oregon. I don't know what she was talking about, but I think it was ISIS. I think she was talking about terrorists. And that kind of talk, that kind of lie leads us to believe every Arab is a terrorist. Every Muslim wants to kill me. And that is not true. Nothing could be further from the truth. I had a picture that I was going to show that was just released as one of the top 10 pictures of the year. It's like the number two picture for human interest. And it's this picture of this man pulling this boat with all these people on it that have nothing and no one. And these people have fled Syria where terrorism is taking place. And they're sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers and grandparents and sons and daughters. They're being wiped out. They're being killed. Muslims, Christians, bystanders, wiped out, killed. And those people are fleeing for their lives. And they're, they're, they're not terrorists. They're doctors. They're reporters. They're bakers. They are students. They're desperate to live and make their family safe, what remains of them. And this lady says, kill them, because I don't know them. That is not, that is not the way Jesus calls us to be. That is not true. But that lady said it, and then she said it again, and then other people started to say it, and now, you know, no offense, mom. My mom is like, oh my God, if anybody from Syria comes over here, they're going to kill me and slit my throat in the middle of the night. And I'm like, what? Oh, Justin, you can never go to Turkey. It's just full of murderers and thieves and crazy people. What? Have you been downtown Houston? <laughs> There's people everywhere. And all you're saying is be afraid of these people. No. We have the spirit of the living God in us. We shouldn't be afraid of anybody. You guys, there is a machine in place, and it is feeding us. It is pumping us full of lies. And I'm not up here saying bad America, bad news. I'm up here saying you better be counteracting it with some truth. Because if you listen to lies, and only lies, and you're listening to them whether you know it or not, and you're not feeding yourself some truth, you are hurting yourself, and God will correct you. And it might hurt as well. I hope today is some correction so God doesn't have to get our attention. You guys, we're called to make disciples. We're called to teach them all the commands. How can we do that if we're stuck doing exactly what our ancestors did by believing lies, by caring more about what these people say than what he says? How does a lie become truth? Because lies become truth all the time. There's a famous quote by a guy named Joseph. Joseph said, if you tell a lie big enough, and you keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe that. Do you believe that that's a true statement? If you tell a lie that's big enough, and you keep repeating it, people will believe it. Is that true? That is true, my friends. If a lie goes, and nobody corrects it, people will begin to believe it. People will begin to believe, we've got to build a wall, we need to kill those people, everybody that looks like that is bad. And nothing could be further from the truth. Do you know who said that? Joseph Goebbels. You guys know who Joseph Goebbels was? I will tell you. 
Joseph Goebbels was Adolf Hitler's number two. He was the minister of misdirection and propaganda for the Nazi regime, and he was the mastermind of the Holocaust. Joseph Goebbels created and sustained a vast, intricate system of lies that were steadily fed to an entire nation, like America, Germany, England, Saudi Arabia, a whole nation they fed these lies to through public demonstrations, radio broadcasts, television news programs, magazines, newspapers, Facebook, whatever. And over time, this nation, the German people, would become convinced from this lie that was repeated so often that the Jews living among them, their neighbors, their friends, their spouses, were evil, were an abomination, were responsible for anything and everything bad that had ever happened to the German people in the last 50 years. And do you know what they did about it after hearing these lies? Nobody standing up and then ultimately believing them? You know what the German people did? They killed six million people in just a few years. They created a machine to kill six million people that everybody was a part of. Even the ones that were like, well, I'm not really participating. Well, you're not doing anything else about it either, are you? You guys, there's a system in place in this world. There's a system in place in every country, ours included, where they could just spin a little bit and start talking about some stuff like kill them before they kill us. And we can start thinking, all Muslims need to die. All Arabs are to be feared. That person with that color skin, don't trust them. That machine is in place. It's been in place since the beginning when the devil got here. Because communication is so powerful. And if we're not counteracting lies with the truth, we might as well just be saying those lies as well. You guys, I don't say this to make you feel bad. I don't say this to make us feel bad about America or movies or any of that. None of that's bad. But how are you doing with pouring in some truth? How are you doing with your balance of time? If you're on social media for like six hours and you don't even pick this book up, watch out. I'm not threatening you. I'm warning you as your friend, as your pastor, watch out. If you spend 20 hours playing a video game so much that your eyes are like just leaking out of your face and you know when you're done, you don't feel like, that was amazing. You're just like, I know I've been there. I'll never get that day back. Let's play again. If you're spending hours and hours and hours doing that, video games where you're just killing people and you're not reading some truth, you're not serving, you're not loving people, you're not brushing your teeth, you're hurting yourself. If you do things like that, things that you know, okay, I know this isn't true, I know this is make-believe, I'm going to watch you know, 17 hours of House of Cards and Downton Abbey, Grey's Anatomy, Meredith Grey is of some jacked up philosophy. Her face does look jacked up. You guys, you need to counteract, you need to counterbalance your soul by taking in some truth. We are in danger of repeating the same mistakes that our ancestors made when we choose to neglect this book. I should read that. 
tomorrow. When God in the Spirit reminds you of something he said that you have read and you willingly choose, "Eh, not today, I really got to share this gossip. It's the same thing those people went through. Do you know what happened to those people? They lost their nation. They lost their homes. And just like the Syrians, they had to flee for their lives. And it wasn't God punishing them. He just let them reap what they sowed. You know what they sowed? Nothing. They were like, this is way more important than God. Nothing is more important than God. I have a very simple takeaway from today. For the love of God, for the love of yourself, read your Bible. Receive truth and act on it. I'm going to invite the band to cruise on up here as we close. But there's another statement that Joseph Goebbels made, right? Nazi mastermind. Even somebody that evil, he said something so true. The truth, like the truth itself, the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. If you are believing lies, you need some truth to counteract it. If you only eat junk food and crud and candy, you are going to have a heart attack, your teeth are going to fall out of your face, and you're going to have acne like nobody's business. But if you eat vegetables, you're going to be strong, you're going to be ready, you're going to have energy. You guys, like, I don't know if it's just a stupid decision on my part to associate this with vegetables, but like, Receive something good and wholesome and healthy. Here's my challenge for us. I am challenging you as your pastor. I am not, oh, that was a good suggestion. I am challenging you if you hear my voice right now in the name of Jesus. Would everyone in this room commit to read this book for 15 minutes a day for the next seven days? That is not a big request. Just think. Just just between you and the Lord. Are you willing even, or does it sound like just a pain? Are you willing to read this book from this Sunday until next Sunday for 15 minutes a day and just, and just see if God might not reveal something to you, say something to you, transform the way that you think, dilute some of the garbage that we've been pumping, that's been pumping into us. I dare you to read this book for the next seven days. No one in here that receives this challenge will walk in here next week without having been changed for the better. That's how powerful these words are. That's how formidable the truth is. And we need to be experts in this book, not just so we can know it, but we are called, we're the only ones that are available to do it, to share the truth in this book. Romans 10, 13 through 15. Everyone who calls on the name of the true Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard the truth about him? And how can they hear the truth about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? You, if you are listening to my voice and have ever prayed to Jesus to be your Savior, you are the sent. People all around you, in your homes, your schools, in other countries are dying for truth, and we are not receiving it or pouring it out. I challenge you guys, simple challenge, look, who will read this book with me for 15 minutes a day this week? 
15 minutes a day for seven days. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Students.